0: It ain't the left side, but the right side, and it must be the fin side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome
1: to another episode of On the Fin Side side here with Kat and Paul Pickin. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, and on iHeartRadio. This is the sixth part of our 12 part series, Evaluating the Dolphins' Roster. We're taking a look at the interior of the offensive line for the Dolphins, and it's created a lot of problems here. Not just last year, but really over the last decade, so we'll take a look at uh, two thousand and seventeen, really, where they are starting to shape shape up here in two thousand and eighteen and Paul it's hard to discuss the interior of this offensive line without bringing the offensive tackles into the discussion. Both of us really want to see Juan James back, even if it's at nine million a year because now you've got the bookends there with Laramie Tunzel. With Juwan James, they can grow up together, 25 years old and younger. And if you do that, you really take the very little remaining talent the Dolphins have on the roster and you shove them toward that, those three interior line positions.
0: There's a lot of young guys on this team that that I really like. I know we didn't get to see, any, see much of Asiata last year. I'm still curious to see what they've got there. I'm more of a fan of Tyler Larson as a backup than I am as, as a starter. Uh, I do like Jesse Davis. I think he could be phenomenal at right guard. And you've got Mike Pouncey, who, while I think we all know is long in the tooth, while we all know he's injury-prone, I'm not even going to bother beating the trade horse at this point, because even though he's a, he's a very shortly removed from a couple of Pro Bowls, he's got no trade value anymore. If Miami was going to trade him, it should have happened a while ago, and they didn't, so... Good, bad, or indifferent, Pouncey is going to be a dolphin this year. The good thing about that, though, Pouncey's value does go up a little bit with Ryan Tannehill back under center because Pouncey's strength is a weird strength for a center, but he's phenomenal at pulling for the center position. That's one thing that he has not lost, no matter how many geriatric hips he's got or what have you. He's good at pulling out and leading the play, which works wonderfully with Ryan Tannehill's skill set. The left guard position, though, is, is a little bit weak, and I know we've talked about it. I know we touched on it in our show about the tackles last week. Quentin Nelson from Notre Dame, you plug him in with those other four, Ryan Tateau's got a pretty good line to, to to hide out behind next season.
1: Yeah, and we talked about in another show that if you've got Quentin Nelson at left guard, he may or may not be there. He may, may or may not be a consideration. And then you've got Juwan James at right tackle, Laramie Tunzel at left. You've got three positions nailed down for a long time. Now at that point, maybe you keep Pouncy, maybe you cut him and save, uh, what, six to $7 million and just be done with it, put Jake Brendel or Anthony Steen into that role, not because they're better, but because they're going to make about $500,000 next year. I could see that working. And then at right guard you could have Jesse Davis battling Ted Larson for that spot but the worst thing the Dolphins can do and and my biggest fear is that they're going to take Jesse Davis out of that right guard spot where I thought he did play well toward the end of the season kick him out to right tackle because they have to and then they've got Ted Larson at that right guard spot and they're thinking you know what I think we can just make it with these two guys uh, at right guard and right tackle I think that would be a monumental mistake it really would I mean you look
0: at what Miami was down to by the end of the season this past year. I mean, Christ, what, three-fifths of the offensive line was on IR at that point. And, you know, I think Ted Larson basically came back, had a cup of coffee, and left again. So, I mean, I'm very leery of it. I One guy that I do like and, and hope that they bring back, I know he's a free agent, I believe he's restricted, is Jake Brendel. I know you touched on him briefly. He was a guy that going into the season last year, I was pretty high on. I know I was excited when Miami got him off Dallas' practice squad. He was one of those guys that was really highly rated uh, going into his draft and had some injury issues. And when he got on the field, I didn't feel like the offensive line lost a step last year. And that's a really big thing. Miami's got to get into era parent mode for Mike Pouncey. We mentioned his geriatric hips, the fact that he pretty much needs a walker. Half the time when he's out on the field, it seems like, and some of the dumb dumb penalties we see on him. I know Gase said he was the highest rated offensive lineman for him, on game in and game out. Must be a different view from the sideline because
1: there were some pretty egregious errors on his part that I saw. Yeah, people seem to be all over the board on Mike Pouncey as far as how good he is. I mean, pro football focus, you take it for what it's worth, but I, I have a role with, with PFF. If they watch every single play, and they rank Mike Pouncey. I think he was somewhere like the 28th ranked center for them. Suffice to say that it's pretty good evidence that the guy didn't have at least a great season. And uh, I watched him, and he had what? uh, I think he had seven or eight penalties this past year. And like you said, when Jake Brendel, the the few times he did get in there, I didn't see a drop-off in play. In fact, I think there was one game we were actually talking about how Brendel played better and didn't get knocked back as much as Pouncey. But the bigger point is not just for the interior of the line, but the scope of the offense in general. I mean, I look at some of the, at, at this offense that has not scored enough points, quarterback problems or not, and I think, could we save some money by using Jakeem Grant instead of Jarvis Landry? Could we save some money using Marquise Gray instead of Julius Thomas? Could we save some money using Jake Brendel instead of Mike Pouncey? And, and I rack that up and say, That's a difference of about $30 million on offense. And on an offense that hasn't really been good.
0: Yeah, the offensive line, I know it's been a weak spot. I know we haven't seen the five starters play together for more than, you know, I I hate to keep using this word, but for more than a cup of coffee over the past few years. And and it's really had its impacts. I know when you look at the running game this year, I don't think Damian Williams – I don't think, and I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but Jay Ajayi lost a step. I think the offensive line was such a patchwork quilt that they couldn't find the holes to run through, which for me tells me that if Miami is able to put a line together that's functional, it doesn't even have to be all pro, just a functional offensive line you're going to see Kenyon Drake run wild. I mean, the way he was able to run behind that patchwork offensive line this season should tell you right then and there, good God, he's going to be able to do something special with some real blocking.
1: I said last offseason that if the Dolphins just want to patch up their offensive line and and put players out on the field like Jermon Bushrod and Ted Larson, and then you go into the season and you can't block the people in in front of them, Don't look at me on that, because I'm the one that, up until draft day, the guy I wanted for the Dolphins at 22 was Forrest Lamp, the guard, because I thought that would have created a monumental impact if he would have gotten on the field and played well. Forrest Lamp was an out for the year for the Chargers, so we don't know about him. Another guy I liked was Dan Feeney. Dan Feeney starts for the Chargers, was a third-round pick. He was the guy I wanted in the second round. And you look at him, and he's already one of the – you know, top 10 or 15 guards in the league. Pat line for the Vikings, another guy I liked last year. Dolphins passed on him in the second round. You know, he's starting for the for the Vikings in the NFC Championship game and playing at a high level. I mean, the Dolphins have to stop whoofing on these second, third-round picks here. They whiffed big time on Billy Turner and Dallas Thomas. That set them back a while, then they patched it up with the veterans. That didn't work. Just get a guy that's going to block effectively the person ahead of them. I think Quentin Nelson can be that guy, a potentially dominant left guard. A few other names to watch out, Billy Price, the center from Ohio State, and Isaiah Wynn, the guard from Georgia. Keep an eye on these guys throughout the pre-draft process, especially with the senior bowl um, week here. Uh, Wynn had a huge week and looks like he can step in and be that type of player. But first, second, or third round, I don't care where it is. You need to get a an interior lineman. And I wouldn't even mind grabbing a Quentin Nelson in the first round, coming back in the fourth or fifth round with another center. So there's a lot of possibilities there, Paul.
0: There really are. And, I mean, Quentin Nelson's a guy I'm high on. I know we'll dive deeper into this as the draft gets closer. I know there's a couple of tackles that project to actually be better on the interior of the line. And I know you and I both are big fans of positional flexibility, especially for some of the guys that might be depth guys. So – there's a lot to shake out with Miami this year. Biggest linchpin in all of it is going to be what Miami does with Juwan James. I think a lot of it's speculation that it got fueled by by a few beat reporters out there. I'm not 100% certain that Miami's in the same camp as far as Juwan James goes, but we'll find out here in a few weeks.
1: You know, one thing, they did resend that offer uh, for, for Juwan James, if I'm not mistaken. On that, and and going back to what you said about positional flexibility, to me that's why nailing that left guard spot is so important. Whether it's Nelson, maybe you aim high at Andrew Norwell, who's going to be a free agent from the Panthers, is going to be one of the biggest guys. But if you do that, and you've got James, and you've got Tunzel, now you can funnel your resources to center and guard. Maybe maybe you keep pouncing, maybe you don't but you've got Ted Larson who can play center and guard. You've got Jesse Davis who can play guard and tackle. You've got Anthony Steen who can play center and guard. So you've got a lot of flexibility there, but you've got to really make sure you hit on several of these positions. That'll do it for our wrap-up here of the center guard positions for the Miami Dolphins. Keep an eye on our look at the defensive side of the ball in our upcoming episodes as we get closer to the draft and closer to free agency, which we're all looking forward to here. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fifth side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't the left side
0: for the right side, and it must be the fifth side. It's, it's, it ain't the left, left side for side the right, right side, side, and it must the side. be the fifth side.
2: Listen, the fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat and Paul about.